lot of rappers are like that, but they don't they don't know it. They don't peep it. They don't get it about themselves. And then there's a certain amount of time that the weed takes to get out of your system. So yeah. like if they was to not smoke weed for maybe two weeks, mm-hmm. they would be new, brand new people. But like six hundred breezy yesterday was smoking weed the whole time and he was talking a mile a minute. He didn't get bothered by it at all. See, like some people just have that in them. I feel like he's just been doing it for so long that it's just a regular Shout part of his breezy. everyday I love routine. Breezy. Like, he's one of the best communicators yeah. in the, the history of drill music. He could be a huge podcaster if he he's really great. put his mind to it. He's very open. Great man. <laughs> yeah, re- nah, the sh- essay. He started to remind me of Blueface. Oh, really? Not in like the ignorant way, but more the sense of like he's kind of like fully on some but he's also like really smart. He's really and smart. he could if he just like I don't know. You know Drake was about to scoop him up. Yeah, Did back you guys in the talk day. About that? Yeah. Well, he back, said he was on tour well, with him for like a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. I think he. Why do you think Drake fell back from? I don't. It wasn't that Drake fell back. He got locked up again. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was like right when everything was taking off. It you know he ended up and it's so crazy because I interviewed him the night before he ended up getting locked up and it was like I'm like damn because it was like his resurgence again like. It was going to happen. So, I mean, you never know what this... It could still happen. It's got to be weird to be in the position of, like, just really hanging out with a rapper that hard. Because it's like, if Drake was taking Breezy on tour and like a year and having him in his house and having him in the studio, it's dope as But it's also kind of like, if you don't really have a role, how long are you going to be doing that for? How long is that going to be interesting before you're kind of like, well, I kind of want to focus on my own even if my own is a lot smaller than being a part of, like, the biggest artist, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think he would have been able to put out his music and, and continue to grow, I think. But I think it could still happen. I feel like what like the age that we live in, I wouldn't put anything past, who knows? He could swoop back around and come scooping. The thing is, is, like, how big could Breezy get as just being a street artist? It's kind of like, at this point in the game, you kind of need to, like have something else to you to make you like a really big thing like Blueface with the reality show or (laughs) I don't know it's just like I I don't know if Breezy's potential is just doing music I feel like his potential could be bigger than that well you know what's crazy I was just having this conversation I feel like at this point you need to have a storyline and Mm -hmm. it's for better or for worse it's a popularity contest and I hate that it is just it is what it is you need to have a storyline. You need to have something that people identify with outside of the music. The music is almost second at this point. Mm. You need to have something that people can follow along to. You need to go live constantly. You need to make content. You need to constantly have yourself involved in stuff. And then people will also listen to the music. Mm. I feel like you can have a huge hit, but people still want to know like if you're fighting with your baby mom and stuff like that. And that's going to get more views than anything. But somebody like Blueface is constantly in the media it, it, like he he clearly knows how to make people talk about him on a very consistent basis but then at the same time like that doesn't really translate into people listening to his music but he is also able to like take these girls and build them into stars which he's done it twice who knows if he could really do it again but i mean it's it's kind of like even when i think about my career sometimes i think well sh- maybe at a certain point, I need to just jump ship on me being on camera and start to purely just like manage talent or man, because you know I, I see people doing that, and it's kind of like if you would you rather have a hundred percent of yourself or twenty percent of Travis Scott? Mm. If you're with it enough that you could identify the next Travis Scott and you could get him to the point of being Travis Scott, 
you might want to give up being you to just be the guy managing somebody else. I'm not saying I'm ready to do that, but <laughs> it's a very logical decision. That's true. I mean, but then you don't have as much control because you have control of your entity and your aura and you can pretty much do what you need to do. But if you are investing 100% into this other person, you can't really control... You know, do you want they, to put your future in some Zan head rappers? Exactly. Hands where they, they could just get rid anymore. of your ass. Exactly. Yeah. So they get in one argument with you and you're out the <laughs> door. And especially a lot of managers don't even have contracts, so you don't even have like legal repercussions. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of tricky. Yeah. But you it's kind of cool also to have people invested and interested in your life. It's annoying, obviously, to a certain point, but it does add a lot of value. Mm. So okay, tell us about the early days of Dre. Oh, we didn't do a normal introduction. <laughs> I know. Are we? Do we, we start? I think we already started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I assume they hit the button. We got okay. Dre in the building. What up, everybody? It's your girl Dre. No jumper, the coolest podcast in the world. Boom. There, Boom. there it is. Just so you don't don't say we didn't do it. Yeah. Okay. But so, all right. Where where did you grow up? And tell us a little bit about your younger days. Okay. So here's the thing. I think a lot of people are, you know. A lot of people have that question because they're like, what? She sounds so proper. Where is she from, boo, about covering the drill movement? I'm from Chicago. I was born in Chicago. I was born on the north side. So a lot of people don't talk about the north side of Chicago. It's where the Jamaicans and the Africans are from. It's a lot of people over there. I'm my Both of my parents are, are from Africa. They're Ghanaian. They came here as immigrants. They moved to the, the, the north side. And my dad got out the mud. He was driving a cab. He was working, you know, all of these jobs while going to school. And he ended up getting his degree and moving us out the hood. And we moved to the suburbs. But I've always been interested in just the hip-hop movement. At one point, I thought I was going to be, like, on the radio. And I wanted to do that, that whole thing. And, of course, that's not an easy route. So I ended up just doing my own thing and trying to build my own platform. Mm-hmm. And making a YouTube channel early when it, was, it wasn't even popular. It was just, like... And I was forced to do it because it was kind of like I wasn't given the opportunities <clears throat> to be like a mainstream type of thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, I'm a dark skinned girl from a little bit chubby. Like, I mean, like, listen, 10 years. You look great. Now. Okay. <laughs> it took like 10 a, years ago, you didn't look as good. It's not that, but you got to find yourself. Yeah. It like takes a little second to like grow into who you are. But also, like, if you want to be a radio personality, which uh, how old are you? Early 30s? Take a guess. 31. Yeah. How you guess? Is that right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an expert in women. Um, <laughs> but, you know, our generation, well, I'm like nine years older than you, but like a lot mm-hmm. of people from who are in their 30s or whatever, the 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 goal in terms of media as a hip-hop person is like, oh, I'm going to get the radio station to hire me. Exactly. Or I'm going to become a DJ or something. And those opportunities are shrinking, and the people who have those jobs are holding on to them with For every dear bit. Life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know, you look at the New York uh, rap scene. You got people like Funkmaster Flex and you know Charlemagne and like all these guys. Twenty years, fifteen years in, they're not going to just give up their spot. No, and those spots are quickly vanishing. Like five of them. <laughs> yeah, there's very few. Yeah, so it was like that, and especially coming up in a place like Chicago, we had two radio stations. We had Power ninety two and one hundred seven point five. And I just knew I was going to be on 107.5. Like, I just knew. So I'm, like, going that route. Um, went to college, studied broadcasting at, at Columbia. And then I tried to get a job at the radio station and I ended up as a traffic reporter. Mm. Like, a producer at that at, when I first came in. So I'm doing traffic reports like... The Eden's inbound from Lake Cook to Montrose is 20 minutes. Outbound to Lake Cook <laughs> is the same. The Kennedy, there's a stall on the right shoulder. You should be aware of. It's going to take 20 minutes. Into, like, I'm doing that with 
50 year olds and I'm like 23 or whatever. And I'm just like, oh my God, like sad. Like, Are you thankful to have the job or are you oh, bummed 100%. about- percent. But you're like bummed because this isn't the content you want to do? I mean, my do? first job out, out of college was at iHeartMedia. So I can't really yeah. complain, but I was a traffic reporter. Mm -hmm. So it yeah. didn't really translate to the hip hop stuff that I wanted to do. Right. But then that made me make my YouTube channel. And when you made your YouTube channel, what was the first type of content you was putting out? You went strictly with the drill stuff? Because that was what was happening. Like, it was this crazy surgence of insane. Because at the time, I think Chicago was so violent at that time. This was like the height of the craziness that was going on in the city. And through that birthed the music. So mm. it was like I was just there. And I was just covering the drill movement as it, as it emerged and um, a lot of my friends, and then I'm young, along same age as everybody, so I'm yeah. young, just covering what's interesting and covering like what my friends are doing, and that just so happens to be the drill movement. So I just so happened to be there when Bibby was still rapping, mm -hmm. and when Lil Herb was Lil Herb before he was G Herbo. Um, so I just got in early because I was just there. But were you somebody who was close to the streets before that, or were you <clears> more <throat> just interested in from a musical perspective? And you know, like I said, my dad ended up moving us out of the the urban area and we moved to the suburbs. But I still had that knack and that inkling for wanting to. It's something weird. I don't know if you know some people from the suburbs. They be wanting to, like, still kind of go back and attach to. I think that I was yeah, still. Yeah, you're, you're looking at one right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the like suburbs, but I was always interested in it was way grimier than my and actual what was upbringing. That about? Oh, I, just, I, know, I mean, why wouldn't I be attracted to you know violence and danger and exciting? <laughs> it just seems so much more real, right? You know, so I, I think um, just being around it and being and and you know indulging in it with people that I knew, it just naturally attracted me back to that kind of thing. And that was the hottest thing in the city before the whole world caught on to it. Mm. It was already like surging and um you know then the labels came and signed everybody and the rest is history so right. how were you like networking and getting these early on interviews with people like bibby and g i mean with uh, p rico and stuff like it's that? it's funny because i was just attending so i'm literally trying to be a media personality at the time and i'm working as a traffic producer and reporter for iHeartMedia. media and on the side i'm going to all the events all the rapper events Everything. Like, when I interviewed Bibby, it was actually his mixtape release party for one of his biggest mixtapes that he actually has, like, in general. So I was there, and I, and I was, like, one of the people to interview him, and it was like I just stayed on that path. And I realized it early on. I'm like, wow, even though the world hasn't caught on yet, I did a P. Rico interview when he, before he went to jail, like, way long ago, and it got over 100,000. And I'm like, dude, nobody is peeping this yet. Mm. But I'm already, you know, locked into it. So I just kind of like stayed on that lane because it was just naturally interesting to me. So and at this time, while you're covering it is the uh, Warren Chirac academics is doing it, too, as well. <laughs> yes. And you know what's funny about that? A lot of us were kind of like, who is this guy? Like we were all really trying to figure out if he was from Chicago, what his how he knew people like that was like the main question, because I think everyone was kind of tapped into it. Mm -hmm listening from the city because he was just really animated he had nicknames for everybody and um i think everyone was kind of trying to figure out who he was and how he knew everything but at the same time it was so serious and it was such a like you i could tell that he probably didn't live in chicago because you could never make light of what was going on it, it was not funny people were dying 
by the dozens. Like it was that was just the most intense time for Chicago. People were dying and people were getting murdered. And it was nothing funny about it, especially if you live there. It was dangerous. So it's not something that I would ever get on YouTube and call anybody the Chirac Wolverine. Like, these are real people <laughs> that I know. So it like, kind of, like, takes an outsider to have, like, a lighthearted perspective on it. Exactly. And that's how we knew he kind of wasn't from Chicago. Like, shout out to academics, like, no diss, but I think that just living in Chicago, being there, it was too real to ever joke about. Mm. There's people dying constantly. So, um, but even just talking about it in general, if you were just some kid from O Block making YouTube videos, I mean, you would have been very much in, in trouble. Like, exactly. there's just be so much you couldn't say, and people would be mad at you for even just talking about it in general. And realistically, you probably would have got beat up or exactly. killed or who knows what. So, yeah. do you exactly. think that you had it easier with you being a female doing it? Because at the same time, you had people like Zach TV. And all these other bloggers who were probably having a hard time doing it, did you come across any problems as a female that was doing it early on? That's a good question. I think for me, I think there's just the energy that I gave off and just being able to connect with people on a real level. I've never had an issue. Never. Like, I've never. I've never. Everyone's always respected me. I've always respected people. I've never had an issue. I've never been pressed. And I've been around every rapper that you from both sides, like from... 600 breezy to duty low i've interviewed everybody from mama duck to cash fbg cash i've been on both sides and no one's ever like i've been cool everything everything's been cool i think it's the energy you bring really you do have a respectable energy thank you you don't have thought (laughs) energy to be honest but like you're telling me talk about that too but you never had a rapper track grab your ass feel up on you nothing like that even oh okay that that you're used to all right (laughs) well it's funny that you say that because honestly my whole thing is like I love the sexy reds I love the young Miamis and I think there's room for everybody but I really want to be another example of like somebody that other like like young girls can look up to that's just different Mm. I'm I like I'm smart I like books I'm a journalist I went to school I went to Columbia I got my degree in broadcasting I love hood niggas (laughs) (laughs) I love drill rap wait but you date hood dudes not necessarily. I think that um, it just depends on who you gravitate towards. But I'm not objected to it. Like, I think I like covering different things that other people aren't necessarily talking about. Mm-hmm. I can go to CNN and I can also go to Truth Teller. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I have a hard time imagining you dating a guy that's, like, down to do a drive-by. <laughs> just feels like you probably have a little bit too much sense. I'm going to be just dealing with that, right? Yeah. There I was think- a video where FVG Cash said he hit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So you know what's funny about that? <laughs> that wasn't an immediate no. <laughs> First of all, I love Cash. Shout out to Cash. Uh, rest in peace, Cash. In peace. But, you know, it's funny because I had, like, I talked to Cash about that certain situation for, like, hours. Like, we, yeah. I used to talk to him about all kinds of things. And we used to have, like, really deep conversations because I'm like... Every single rapper that I would end up interviewing, the comments would be like, oh, what did you guys do off... Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, why do they always say that? Like, what is it? So I, me and him had a whole conversation about that. And then him being the funny troll kind of guy he is, then he went on live and, like, laughed about it and tried to pretend like some it was more than it was. But no. Like, I mean, yeah, he was obviously joking. He said he hit Angela Yee, too. Exactly. So, so you know, he, he was, was such joking. a troll in general. Remember him talking about, like, uh, he said Lil Dirk told him to go to the Vaughn Memorial and take photos there and shit. 
like that. Yeah. Like, and like, I don't know. I, don't, I probably should have like rejected it more when he said that during the interview, but he was always on some trolling. He was trolling. He was funny. He was always like making you laugh and making you step out of your comfort zone. So he would always do that to me, like put me on the spot, try to make me step out of my comfort zone. And I appreciate that because sometimes I'm, I'm like so rigid and like too rigid so he would just try to make me step out of my comfort zone it was like me and him literally had a conversation about that for out for like an hour and a half and i'm like oh well, these comments everybody always say and then he went on live like and just i just i'm like i can't believe you just did but it was like an inside joke and it was funny to us so wait till you post a photo with me read the comments <laughs> exactly just exactly wait. yeah that's ex- <laughs> do people do we can jump you? in front of it right now by making a joke out of it but it's gonna be a million comments of like i know she's gonna be on plug talk you know? <laughs> exactly yeah do people do that to you Oh, for sure. Anytime I take a photo with a girl, I know that's coming. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was watching the Amber interview. Did they say that? I feel like all the fans know that Amber Rose is too good to f- me. So <laughs> I didn't really see a lot of that, but probably, probably they would be, they would want that to happen, I guess. <laughs> I would love for that to happen. That's a great me, idea. Actually, let me ask you a question. Here we go. Because, like, with the content, what do you do when somebody tells you to take something down? Like, <sighs> where, how do you assess that? When they're you. like, take, you done did a three hour interview. You yeah. thought you were respectful. You sat down, you talked to them. Everything was cool. And then you put it up and they're like, take that down. What do you do? Three hour interview. Why am I taking it down? Like, what's the reason? What is the thing that you didn't anticipate before this came out that you now are upset about? To me, that just shows no respect. It would really upset me. It was really like, I, I probably just wouldn't take it down. Mm. Unless it was something that was so obvious to me, like, oh, how? because I'm thinking about it now as we go. The other day I interviewed a girl, and she starts talking crazy about <laughs> her baby daddy, right? Okay. And But she's also, like, she's saying his name and where he works. Oh. And, and to me, it's like, it sounds like he's a private citizen. Like, he's not, like, a celebrity. Civilian. He's just a regular fucking dude. And I really didn't like the idea of, like, oh, is this this guy's going to have a bunch of people emailing the, the front desk where he works and telling them this girl's talking crazy about him. Now, same situation. If she's saying that about a rapper, I mean, that's a public figure. Like, you know what you're getting into. So I believe the, the dude's name. I don't know how much it would make a difference. But, you know, I try to anticipate that kind of shit. If somebody says something that's obviously going to get them locked up or whatever, I'm going to be thinking about that and probably make a note of it before we even get into it. But, yeah, taking a whole three-hour interview down, probably not. It's probably not <laughs> happening. I know, and that's the thing. I think that... That Sometimes happens. you gotta stand on business. Exactly. Because yeah. that hasn't been you, I'm guessing. Because, oh, like, yeah. what you've been for Chicago, I'm pretty sure there's been some interviews where, like, yo, take this part out. I was incriminating oh, yeah. myself. A hundred percent. I mean, I'll give you an example of one that I really did take down because it was a dire situation. I did an interview with Duty Low, and we ended up talking about the situation that he was in with a girl that lied. Right. Yeah. And um, we went into detail about that, and they're still in litigation. So we ended up, I ended well, up dropping it. He just won. I don't know if they're still in litigation. Yeah. I mean, dude, I believed, I always believed him. Like mm. he was, he, it was just a really bad situation. And, um, and the ended, accusations were so bizarre. It's it was just like, weird. am I supposed to really believe you're this fucking weird, bro? Like, I don't, I don't think the so. The screw. Yeah. I'm not going yeah. for it. <sighs> a lot. Yeah. But, um, in that situation, we talked about that and they were still in litigation and, 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 we put it out, and at the time, you know, it could have messed up his situation. So that was one that I retracted. But if it's something that you just, like, ended up saying something that you didn't like in the back end, it's like, dude, don't, you know. The one that would piss me off is when Crip Mac wanted me to delete shit that would be, like, him talking about a girl. 
And then obviously they break up like 24 hours later and he's like, take out this, this and this about this girl. And I'm like, bro, like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, 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 why are you trying to erase this? Like, <laughs> you have tons of videos on your channel of you with this girl. Why are you trying to act like it didn't happen? Like, I found that shit really annoying. It's kind of rude, too, because oh, it's yeah. like you not respecting like. I would never go on somebody's podcast and ask them to delete something that I willingly talked about. It's like exactly. completely foreign to me. Why would I do that? I'm thinking the whole time as I'm talking about what I want to be out there. Like, I don't know. But some people just, they get caught up in the moment. And you feel bad too because some people are fucking knuckleheads straight and off they the block. Crazy shit. And they don't, they, they haven't thought about what it's like to be on camera. And, you know, if they're incriminating themselves, it can be very compelling to delete stuff because nobody wants to be the reason somebody gets locked up exactly you know? well, yeah, but also different. it's it's so unrealistic to think that the cops are going to lock you up because of something you said in an interview most of the time but like there are things here and there where you're like ah yeah i could see how that would be bad you know yeah, it's, it's case by case right yeah so early on uh i think you were one of the first people i seen to grab uh tuka's mom and actually do an interview with her correct mm-hmm yeah how we- did you Listen, we pulled that we pulled that interview and that topic out the mud. Like that came out of absolutely nowhere because <clears throat> and I want to give a huge shout out to FBG Duck's mom, Sheena, mm-hmm. Lashina Weekly. Um Shout out Mama Duck. Yeah, shout out Mama Duck. I love Mama Duck and I just want to say this like <sighs> she's probably the strongest person I've ever met. The amount of things that she went through and that she's gone through in her life She has been able to withstand so many storms and she's done an amazing job with a cheerful spirit and a good heart. Mm -hmm. The amount of things that she's been through, I don't know if you guys know, I mean, I'm sure you know, like even for just losing her son, who was a rising superstar, FBG Duck, just to have that happen. And now she's going through the trial. It's just, she's dealt with so much and I just hate any kind of mama duck slander only because she's done She's dealt with so much. Like, why do you guys want to keep making her like, I think we should just send her prayers and just give her, you know, as much grace as we can. Because imagine losing your son, two sons. And she's lost like infants and like house fires and shit like that. That was like, whoa, you've really seen some of the worst things that you could possibly see in life. She's been through so much. She's like, like I said, she's like the strongest person that I've ever met. I'm like, I can't even believe that you have been through all of this and you're still standing and you're still able to talk about everything and go through everything. It's just, so I just like to, you know, try to just give her as much grace as possible. Mm-hmm. And she introduced you to <laughs> Tuka's mom. Yes. So honestly, it's so funny. I ended up interviewing mama duck before everything, before all of this happened. I think, I think me and her might've sat down maybe a couple weeks after FPG Duck um, actually got killed. So we was like, I was one of the, her first interviews. And after we did that, she was like, I want to bring the mothers together. I want to bring mothers from both sides and I want to stop this violence. So she was the first person to try to create peace. Push the peace. Yeah, to push. She, Mama Duck was the first person to push the peace. And yeah. she asked me to help her. So it was like, she was like, my friend is Tuka's mom. I'm like, Tuka? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And she was like, and I got this this mom, this mom, this mom, and I want to bring everybody together. And, and I did the round table, right? And we did the round table. So we brought Tuka's mom, her, um, Ray Ray's mom, which is another um, kid that, was, that ended up dying. And we all sat around the table and we just talked. And that was the first time in 10 years that Tuka's mom ever got the opportunity to talk about 
how she was just so upset that everybody was smoking on Tuka. And everybody was smoking on Tuka. Like, do you remember? Yeah, no, it was, it was like, a huge trend. It was crazy. Nationwide. Yeah. A lot of people who didn't even know what the <laughs> fuck they were talking about. You know. It was, like, intense. So she imagine she, you're, she's a mom, and yeah. she's just at home hearing this, seeing this, and she's just tired, and she's outraged. So it was all Sheena's idea. It was all Mama Duck's idea, and I just really helped her. I brought everything together. And we all sat down and um, we interviewed each mom separately first. So we have Tuka's mom and she was pregnant at the time. So everybody in the comments like, why you didn't give her a seat? She pregnant. Dude, it was like a five minute separate interview first. And then yeah, we all yeah, sat yeah. down at the table and um, and she just cried her heart out and it just broke my heart. And I couldn't I didn't even know it was going to go like that. Like she started crying and I was just like, oh, my God, this is really going to be something. But I didn't know it was going to go vir as viral as it It went completely viral to the point where all these other outlets came in <laughs> and kind of like tried to duplicate what we did, which is cool. I think, you know, like I said, the only thing that was annoying about that is just like when we do something in Chicago, we're still trying to build ourselves as a media hub. Mm. So it's like acknowledge the people that did it first. That's from Chicago. <laughs> That's from Chicago and try to yeah. pour it back in some way, but it didn't happen like that, but it's okay. I think that it, I wasn't really looking for anything from it. I was just trying to help tell the story and it did that. So it was amazing. That's the crazy thing. If you're like a, a smaller media company these days is that you, you could do dope content. And a lot of times it's going to get kind of copied by bigger platforms like me and Remo over here, uh, no <laughs> jumper or Realistically, that shit is gonna get clipped. Like there, there was a podcast the other day with a uh, fucking uh, Joe Smith and his, his wife, uh, who started the OnlyFans, and they both walked out of the same podcast, and the clip was super viral on Twitter. And I went and found it on YouTube, and had like fifty k. So this shit has you know a hundred million views across Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and shit, <laughs> and such a small percentage actually went and watched the video, which. That's tough. Like when I started doing podcasts, that wasn't really a thing. People weren't just clipping shit and putting it all over Twitter and every other social network. So it, it's kind of even harder now to, to really get a, a thing going. It is. It's really hard. And like I know certain outlets kind of copyright their shit and try to like make sure that they watch it. Do you copyright your stuff? Like do you let smaller outlets use your clips? We don't let like YouTube channels post full you know versions of our shit but like in terms of instagram we're not looking for that but i know vlad is all over it and sometimes <laughs> i think that he's doing the smart thing and maybe i should get a little bit more on top of it but i don't know i guess it just depends on how you feel because sometimes i'm like cool with people sharing it because it's like okay it's bringing more eyeballs but then if it gets crazy and you know you're missing out on monetization to yeah. pour back into your own then yeah, it gets a little, get a little tricky. Because, like, the difference between fair use and, uh, you know, copyright infringement is basically, like, is this basically a duplicate? Like, is this going to stop people from going to my content? And my thing is, like, if you want, like, even uh, the Chicago Wave, they asked me one time, like, how much are you cool with us posting? And I was like, if you want to do a 60-second clip instead of, like, a five-minute clip, I would appreciate it. You know, just yeah. do, do, like, a shorter version of it and maybe don't do every single interesting thing that we talked about in the podcast. Maybe pick a couple of them out because, like, you know, I appreciate you drawing attention to it. But at a certain point, if you're making it so that there's no reason for people to go to my content, that feels like it's a different thing, right? Exactly. And I think this is an important conversation because I think a lot of content creators will – gravitate to what we're saying especially with the thought process of like whether you should take something down or keep it i think a lot of people go through that because we get pressured and by different rappers to play their narrative sometimes and it's like no we don't 
That's not how it goes. But shout out to the Chicago Wave, too. That's one of, like, the most unbiased... You know, mm-hmm. that's, a good, a, good pla- that's yeah. a good place shout to go to, to get Chicago your... Wave, yeah, sure. shout out to yeah. Chicago Wave. I want to go back to the round table, though, because uh, you said you reached out to people. Uh, at the time, y'all didn't get any of the opposition's mothers at the table. We didn't. How come <clears throat> you guys wasn't able to get someone to come through? Because I seen L.A. come home, mom, talk about it, and she said that she wasn't comfortable with it. And Who like, else? Mama Duck told us a crazy story about taking a picture with King Vaughn's kid, right? And then having to remove it, basically being told to remove it. Yes, which yeah. Which is kind of dark. You know what's funny? She, we tried. We tried every angle. We tried to bring all the moms together, but we got a lot of declines. I think... Who did you reach out to? We reached out to everybody. We reached out to King Vaughn's mom. We reached out to... But at, the t- at this time, that was early on. Was K- this was the first... The first one. And yes. King Vaughn was he was in jail. No, or? that was we dropped. We did the Mothers of Peace. Maybe it was like two weeks after King Vaughn got killed. All right, for sure. Or maybe it was even a week. I have to double check the because it's been already like two years since that. But right, of course, sure. it was too fresh probably for her, for her to yeah. want to. You know what I mean? Um, and then we did a number two, and I actually haven't dropped the full thing. I'm actually gonna drop it next week, the full thing. But it was L.A. Capone's mom, which was from the other side. And if you know the you know the drill history, her son actually. Dropped one of the biggest drill songs with the line, Shondell, how that how shit feel. Shondell is Tuka. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was at the table with Tuka's mom. So they actually had an exchange where they talked about that. And this is unreleased? Yes, it hasn't been released yet. I'm going to drop it soon. Oh, yeah, so. that's going to be fire. So I'll be on know. the lookout for that. Yeah. But at the time for the first one, what other mothers did you reach out to? I'm just curious. We reached out to King Von's mom. We reached out to a lot of different moms. Um, <clears throat> But mostly we really wanted to try to get... Uh, Mama Duck with King Von's mom, mm. but yeah, we weren't was, able to do that. Did so. you get any kind of reason why, or just the obvious shit that they probably? No, we didn't. Um, I get think blowback. Yeah, I think that you know people just probably weren't ready for that, and mm. it's, it's it's hard. Yeah. And that's why I say Mama Duck's one of the strongest people I know because she was ready to do it. Right? Yeah, it's like imagine you know having to take on all of this. This is not easy. So how did you and Mama Duck get so close in the first place initially? When I in when I interviewed her, uh-huh. I was probably one of the first people that reached out and actually sat down with her and we had like a two hour long interview. Yeah. And my heart just broke. Like it's hard because I'm a female covering this drill stuff. So it's like I have a little bit more, I think, emotions. <laughs> I have a little bit more yeah. um emotions with it. So just talking to her for two hours and talking about the death of FBG Duck. And her crying and then just like us crying to get like I just couldn't it was just really sad. And then from there, it's just like and I'm I'm super unbiased. I'm a journalist, I'm unbiased, I have friends on both sides. But when it comes down to a a, a loss of of a mother, it's just something in me where I'm just like, oh my God, that was just it was just so heart wrenching. And I just wanted to help her in any way. And we just kept building on our on our on our um relations from there and it's like at the time a lot of business proper like opportunities were coming to her so i was helping her with her like as a publicist and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so we just kept building on our relationship and um just shout out to mama duck and then and then when the mothers of peace came that was a big thing and we just kept building on that and we're going to continue to build on the mothers of peace thing so i've seen that you've actually been going to the uh, actual fbg fbg duck trial Yes. Have you been going with Mama Duck or like, tell us, give us a breakdown of what you've been seeing in court. Well, I will tell you something that happened today. 
And we actually haven't done a video on this yet, and we haven't talked about this yet. This just happened a couple hours ago. Um, and a lot of people don't know this, because, like I said, I think now a couple more bloggers have been going to the courthouse, but I was the first one to go. Mm. <laughs> and I got the information from Mom Duck, and she's, you know... Yeah. And I'm a reporter. Like I said, I'm an unbiased journalist. I have no... I'm just unbiased. I just want to cover what's going on. So when I first went, I literally just made a video and reported on what happened. And the day that I went, it happened to be the day that Trenches News was there. And I know you guys had him up here, and I want to get your your thought process on that. Um, but so, right, boy. <laughs> so that was the day that Trenches News was there, and they played video that everybody was kind of speculating about because they had video of them leaving O-Block running down the stairs, hopping in a car, and they have video of them coming back. So no one ever saw the video. It was the first time they ever played the video. So we're in court looking at the video, and I'm just like, oh, my God, they got all this video. And then Trenches News is pointing everybody out with a yellow marker. <laughs> yeah, so they're yeah. like, who is this? And he's like, oh, that's Kenny Mack. And then they're like, who is this? They're like, oh, that's C-Murder. And then they're like, who is this? Oh, that's Muwap. And then they're making him circle it with the yellow marker. So it was just great. Like, to be sitting there and just looking at this, I'm like, wow. And I think that a lot of the mainstream media hasn't been following the trial like how they've been following the thug trial. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was just a <clears throat> a pristine opportunity. Because everybody feels like we already know exactly what happened. Is and that we kind of assume is? that everybody's that they're going to convict these dudes. Mm. Whereas with the thug thing, it seems like a very real possibility they won't get convicted and there's and nobody really knows what's going to happen in that courtroom. Whereas, like, you know, Trench's news being in there is super insane. But yeah. in general, I feel like everybody kind of feels like they know what happened with Doug. And it's like he's a blogger, like, <laughs> on the stand as their key witness. So... Yeah. You said something happened today? Yeah. So basically... And this is an exclusive. This I have, no one's said anything yet. Um, they have video of the person that called, allegedly the THF. person that called, the person that called everybody to come. They have him on camera, like surveillance camera from the store, because he was in a store across the street, making the phone call, telling them like, just hyping it up, making it more of a like he had the ends on the whole situation. So if he, let me shut up. He called, they have it on camera, and Mama Duck watching that, she just lost it. Really? She just lost it. She started crying, she started screaming. They had to take her out of the courtroom, and they took her to the back like, listen, can't do that. It might cause a mistrial. Like, calm down. Do you need to, like, watch it from the other room? Because they have another, like, watching room. Yeah. Um, so it was just really intense. It's like a lot of stuff going on. And that's why I say, like, imagine if your son was killed and you have to sit through trial. And see the evidence. That's what I'm saying. Witness how it happened and how it played out. You're yeah, watching could be tough. it unfold every day. I so, can imagine why that would hit her particularly hard because it's like somebody just like celebrating in the opportunity to kill her son. Yeah. He like doot, 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 doot. Yeah, it's like an additional layer of cruelty beyond just the fact that these dudes were down to kill him, you know? Exactly. And she's watching it lay, like play out. So it's breaking her heart, and she just couldn't hold it together today. And, you know, she she's had watching to get... 20-something years of potential and, and just a whole life being taken over. And Duck was taking off at the time. Yeah. So imagine that. Like, I know, I'm not sure. You don't have kids yet, right? Three-year-old. 
Oh, you do? Mm. Okay, so. God Not forbid. a drill rapper yet. <laughs> We've got a, a little RT career plan for years. you. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, 20 years. 20 years? You've got to start your drill career young now. you got to be 19. nine <laughs> putting ops in the split. You guys had a little retweet. <laughs> retweet, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was on here. How's he? I said I, I said I wasn't interviewing him, but Flocka wanted to do it. So. A little RT? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it RT or retweet? I like it being a little retweet. I don't know. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> that's what I that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, her having to just deal with that is a lot. So I, I give her grace, and it's like I, mm. I hate when people try to come at her. Leave her alone. She's been through too much. Did you actually see uh, Butter on the stand? They say Butter was on I the stand didn't. too. I actually had to. I had prior engagements in New York. I live in New York, so right. but I'm from Chicago, and I I still have like res like I still come there and have a little spot there. So I come back and forth, but, but did I you, didn't go there at that time. And thank God because I heard a bunch of bloggers were up there causing mayhem. Really? That's what I heard, but I wasn't there, so I don't want to speak. But did that. you hear about it? Did like did he really take the stand? I heard he took yes. the stand. Uh, so he two did. days. I heard in two days in a row. Yeah, there's a bunch of quotes from sh- different shit he said. On yeah, for stuff. sure. Yeah. But what do you guys think about them having Trenches News and Butter as their key witnesses? What do you guys think? Me oh, personally, I, I think this is great. <laughs> Super hip hop. Right? I, I could have never even thought of this. If you asked me to come up with a plot for this trial, I wouldn't have been able to predict this. <laughs> I didn't think Butter would take the stand, but when I interviewed Trenches News, in my mind, I already thought he was the snitch already. Did you? What, I, what that, were the flags? He, yeah, he knew I just, early on. Because go watch our interview where he asked him if he was the informant. And it's just the weirdest, like, roundabout thing, like, where he's just kind of not answering the question. It's kind of dancing around it. And Remo's trying to corner him, but he's just saying some bullshit. Whereas he's pretty direct about everything else throughout the whole interview, which is, oh. it was very strange. Yeah, people tell me shit. And then from just the questions when I was, I asked him early on in the interview and he never gave me a direct answer mm. so then when I asked him again to end the video off it kind of just confirmed to me like alright yeah you did it cause if anybody else you would've just been like nah I didn't do it like and for him just to just not say it I was like oh yeah you did it yeah I actually mean- his homeboy uh, C Hood hit me up said he wants to come on here cause uh, he was lying to C Hood the whole time and C Hood had no clue that he was the informant shout out wow. C Hood shout out C and you know he shout C Hood wow. out in every, every video. intro wow. but he didn't not recently Mm. The last few videos he did, he hasn't shouted out uh. C Hood. And I also seen where you said that the uh, the judge told Trenches News not to make any videos. Oh yeah, they but was, he's back making videos because he's done. So like oh, they, right. they 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 let him off now so he can make videos because he's done. So during the time where he was on the stand, they were like, "Listen, you can literally throw this case if you get on." YouTube and you make any videos. You can't do any interviews. They wanted somebody to trail him and make sure that he didn't do anything before because it was like um, a Thursday that he had his uh, first testimony Mm -hmm. and then he had to come back again on Monday. So there was all these days in between and they were scared that he was about to... he be making content. Yeah, for sure. And they actually acknowledge the fact that he makes content and it's popular. Like, they were talking about it in the in the courtroom. So Probably got some subs from that. I noticed that oh, our yeah. clips with him talking about that surged in views. Like, a lot of people were searching for it. And the crazy thing is, like, I'd never said anything bad about Trenches because he's been nothing but, like, nice. Like, he mm-hmm. ain't never did nothing to me. Yeah. But it's like, you know, the whole situation is just really crazy and it's really intense. I mean, he he dissed us right as soon as he did the interview, did and they dissed us right afterwards. What so did it's you trenches say? news K. Fuck y'all. No, I mean I don't <laughs> care, but uh, you know, it, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. What did he say? 
Just, uh, just he regret doing it. He's like, that, a whole lot that of interview was weak as fuck. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know why I went up there. I wish I, just, I didn't go up there. Like, I don't know what. Like, you, you literally do videos in your fucking basement, like, in your I room. Just think like, what are you talking about? He don't like how it was titled or whatever. Oh, oh, yeah. but how, how do you, uh, so how do you feel, like, are you with snitching or against snitching? With Listen. Because, like, all right, at the end of the day, you're, you're friends with Mama Duck, so you want her to get justice for her son, but then you come from Chicago where it's this oh, don't snitch shit. That's, okay. a really good, that's a really good uh, question because, honestly, I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm going to be 100% honest. Keep it 100. I'm going to keep it 100. <laughs> keep it 1,000, actually. 1,000, a, thousand, a yeah. million. Okay? Whoa. Right, <laughs> keep it a Google. <laughs> a Google, okay. <laughs> Just working in this environment and studying all of these stories and interviewing all these people, dude, nobody is innocent. It's been murders on each side. Mm -hmm. This person done did this person. This person got back at this person. This person yeah. got back. It's no innocent side. So it's like impossible for you to take a side because you, if you're really into it, you know the intricate details that don't even hit the internet. You know what such and such did to such and such. You know this and this and this. It's like, dude, you can't pick a side. Everybody, everybody is wrong. This whole entire beef is insane mm -hmm. and it keeps going and it's going a tit for tat, a tit for tat, a tit for, it's like, Dude, you can't even really stop. I mean, it's like everybody has done wrong. Everybody is wrong. And I think that this was just such the ultimate, like, this was the most unnecessary. Everybody was taking off. Dirt, Duck was taking off. Moab was doing his music thing. King Von was doing his music thing. Dirk is who Dirk is. Like, everybody was taking off. So it was kind of like, why? Like, to me, I feel like it was just so unnecessary. And um, I just don't think... It was just so, like, Duck should have been here. So are you with snitching or against snitching? I'm against snitching. When, uh, you, when sure. you get into this game, as a blogger and as a radio, I mean, radio personality, as a blogger and as a reporter, yeah. rappers have a certain trust in you. And yeah. if you build up this trust with people and you're talking to them and you have this, like, rapport with people, you can't just go back and start snitch. That's insane. And I think it makes all of us look, like, I mean, honestly, this is just a case-by-case -case basis, but for it to be a blogger that just turned state's evidence is crazy. And as a blogger, it's just like, damn. How does Mama Duck feel? Is she happy that Trenches News is actually helping of maybe course. her get justice? I think so. Yeah, I think. Um, and then he was also friends with Duck. So it's just this is like a very... Very different and special situation. Okay, but if we all agree that it's probably a good thing if a bunch of murderous psychopaths who are happy to gun down your favorite rapper are locked up, I think we should all probably agree that if you run down on somebody in front of a designer store and, and kill them because of your, your gang beef with them, you should probably go to jail. All Trenches News did to his credit, is basically help facilitate these people going to jail. And as much as in a lot of situations, I hate to see people get snitched on, you know? Like if I found out that Remo was selling coke at the club and somebody snitched on him, I'd be upset. But when it comes to something as serious as this, uh, it's hard for me to really say that what Trenches News did is wrong. It might have just been self-serving in the sense that, you know, he basically just did it to enrich himself. But at the same time, if he was really cool with Duck and he wanted to see his killers locked up, I mean, I can't really hold it against him, right? Exactly. So it's like the, this is such a touchy situation and such a mixed kind of thing where I can't even... I guess it just depends on what you would do in a situation. You can't say it's right or wrong because, yeah. like... 
in his eyes, he's helping the duck case. And even though he might have been friends with the people that he's testifying against. Yeah, he pointed Kenny Mack out like seven times. Yeah, seven <laughs> times. Said that was with boy. the yellow marker. If the person who was snitching was like the guy who drove the car when they went to go kill Duck, then we could all look at that guy and say like, oh, you're a scumbag because you were a part of this criminal conspiracy and now you're talking in order to take the heat off you and you're making it worse for all your buddies. Trenches news, you can't really say that. He's, exactly. He's totally separate from all this shit. Exactly. I think it's just more of a shock thing. I think yeah. when they put it in the Sun Times and they like unmasked him and put him, you know, in the paper, I think people were just really surprised about it. But like I said, I have nothing against Trenches news. I can't really say right or wrong on the situation because everything is just so convoluted and everybody is wrong and right at I, the same time. I don't know if he was being 100% serious, but I asked Wag 100, like, how many people in Southern California are getting paid? those sort of checks, the $25,000 checks, to basically give informant information to the cops. He goes, probably a 1,000. I think he said like 500 to a 1,000. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? There's that many people talking to the cops and helping put these cases together? Like, that's unbelievable if that's true. But, I think it's definitely yeah. more than we know. Yeah, probably, because it's obviously in their best interest to keep it mega secret. But what does that do for bloggers and reporters and rapper relationships? you got to get our own informants. Mm. If I was <laughs> Trapper Ross or if I was Swamp Stories and I wanted to take my content to the next level, all you need is a fucking snitch. <laughs> How would you play that, though? Take the information they give you and write about it. And, you know, hopefully the guy doesn't get caught. If he gets <laughs> caught, then I guess they're going to kill him. But, you know. Oh my God. Right. So what's the next step? Like, what happens after the case is over? To Trench's news? Yeah. Motherfucker better get a spot in Vegas like Chicago. King Yeller or something. I don't know. Get away from Chicago is my advice to him. What happened with King Yeller and Jake today? Uh, hold on. Before, yeah. we, hold on before we get into that. <laughs> okay, are you let's still, come back to you. Still, uh, are you going to be covering the case anymore? Like going back? I am. I'm actually going to drop a video tonight about what I just told you guys. Yeah. Um, I am. I think that it's just in my heart. Like certain yeah. things, I just want to make sure that I cover it and I, I report it the right way and I have the opportunity to go there and cover it. So I think I'm I'm going to continue to. I'm going to watch it until the verdict comes out. Um, yeah. It's just a very important case. Even though, like I said, media isn't covering it like they're covering the Tory case, or they're but they should be. Mm. And I think a lot of it has to do with it being in Chicago. People don't know how to navigate the city like how they might in other places because where was the Tory case in LA yeah but I mean the Tory case had like every salacious angle you could possibly That's have true. whereas the duck thing really at the end of the day it's just another depressing ass Chicago drill rapper murder of which there have been dozens or hundreds are they the gonna years, play this one is crazy because yeah. it, it was broad daylight in the richest air like this yeah. is have you ever been to the Gold Coast I think I know yeah it area. is like he got killed across the street from Dosi and Gabbana yeah this is the richest and, and Chicago's the third largest market so even though it doesn't get that much love, it's yeah. what? New York, L.A., Chicago. Mm. So Chicago, but like I said, people are not flying to Chicago to cover it like that. Yeah, so I just that, have the advantage. And there's of so little money put into like local news and exactly. like covering stories and shit in general that it's just like unlikely to happen. I wanted to ask before we do the King Yellow shit or whatever, why would you move to New York? What are you doing out there? So that's a good question. I, um, I end up reaching, I think, the level of and it, I've watched the interview with six shout out 16 I think that when you work in Chicago and you get to a certain level you probably feel like you need to leave that's mm. like the myth like okay yeah. I gotta leave Chicago to get on 
And I think that um, I had a little bit of that. I just always wanted to live in New York and I always had that love for it. So I worked at iHeartMedia as a traffic reporter for four years. And I finally realized that I was never going to be on WGCI and I wasn't going to get that to that point. So I was just really trying to leave and I wanted to go to New York for some reason. It was just like in my heart, I wanted to go to New York. And I ended up just taking every opportunity that I could. So there was a radio personality that I used to obsess over. Like I just used to love him and he's a legend. I don't know if I want to say the name, say but you'll name. probably get it. No, uh, no, no. Like, Star? Hell no. Well, it went bad not or hell something? No, but hey, why, why don't you want to give him any attention? No, it's not even that. It's more about like the way that it went down because mm. I ended up not... <sighs> Should I say this? And Fair I don't it out. Regret Let's get spicy. It. You won't regret it. <laughs> Think about what people it's like. It's story. People watch baddies. I know. What is that about? I don't know, but I'm saying people <laughs> like drama. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched just, one episode of baddies and it really fucked me up. I learned everything about baddies from Instagram. So oh, I know yeah. about Roly. I paid for for Zeus. And oh, so did far you? I watched one episode of baddies. Yeah. Wow. It's well, kind of like Bad Girls Club back in the day. Yeah, but I never watched that. Did you didn't? Okay. Because no. I used to watch the original Natalie Young when I was like too young to watch that. Okay. Who hurt you? <laughs> See, it wasn't even a hurt situation. Basically, I just really wanted to move to New York. Like I was so dedicated and I really wanted to move to New York. I got to the height of working at iHeartMedia for four years as a traffic producer and reporter. Um, and I just really wanted to leave Chicago. So I was trying to take every opportunity that I could. And I ended up printing out my resume and going to this, like, event where this legendary radio personality was. And I was like, I'm going to give him my resume. I'm going to, you know what I mean? Fun flex. <laughs> nope. I will say. Um, and I went there and I gave him, and I, and I tried to, like, talk to him. Get my, he paid me dust. He was just, so I was, like, sad. I'm like, oh. And I was leaving, and I was I gave it to somebody that was working the cameras. I was like, "Can you just give him this, um, and tell him like, you know, I want to move to New York, and I'm I'm already kind of established here." And at the time, I was already interviewing Bibby and Herb and everybody in Chicago, so I'm already working my, but uh, I'm already in the Chicago mix, and I'm already working. I heard media and everything's cool, and I wanted to leave, and uh, I ended up giving it to the pro his manager, his program director. Yeah. And like he called me three weeks later and was like, wow, your resume is great. If you really want to move to New York, uh, you can help me build this social media video thing that we're doing. Because at the beginning, that was at the beginning of all the video when people were just starting to start doing video. So I was like, bet. In two weeks, I put my apartment up. I sold all my stuff. I packed my car up and I drove a Nissan Altima to New York by myself. 14 it took me 21 hours it was supposed to be 14 it took me 20 by myself i found my apartment on craigslist yeah and i moved out there and he really ended up giving me like a part-time job and that's how i got i got out the mud like i literally started working and just helping him shoot videos and then in between he would let me do interviews and that was at sirius xm so um sway <laughs> sway shout out to shout out to reggie hawkins he ended up just helping me established myself in New York at the beginning. So Sway is Reggie Hawkins? No, no, no. The Sway was Oh. <laughs> Reggie was the program director oh, at Oh, okay. So you're still not telling us who the, the on camera personality was. Because I never ended up connecting with him. Oh. <laughs> but you had a part time job, but I ended up helping um like the video stuff at at uh Hip Hop Nation Sirius XM like 
helping them shoot their videos. And then in, in between, I was doing like interviews. Mm -hmm. So I ended up interviewing a whole bunch of people up there. Like I did Meek Mill, um, Boosie, all kinds of different people. And I literally, like I said, I packed up all my stuff and drove to New York from Chicago. So it was like taking those big opportunities. Yeah. And I really just kept taking those big opportunities. And then I, I was doing that for two years. And then I ended up meeting some people that knew Diddy. Because you ended up on Revolt. Yes. And that's how I ended up at Revolt. How do you feel about working for Diddy now? With all the allegations he has. You ever go to a party party? You know what? I've been to hella party parties. Whoa. Shut up. I'm not lying. You got a story to tell? I do. But you know what? Not it's now. not about Diddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about Diddy. I do got a bunch of if stories. If you could laugh about it, then it's probably a good it story. Because it seems as if there's a bunch of people who aren't really laughing about That's true. Yeah. And okay. I will tell you. Okay. I'm going to tell you the honest to God truth. Like, I'm going to tell you. This is my truth. And yeah. I can't speak about anybody else, but this is my truth. <sighs> working for Revolt TV and working for Diddy for two years was absolutely life-changing. Mm. Like, it was the best experience I've ever had. It was the best job I've ever had. I learned excellence through him. And I can't really say, I can't really speak on all the negative stuff because my personal experience with Diddy and working at Revolt TV was the best. That was the best job I've ever had. It was the best time of my life. Mm. I had the best time of my life. I learned so much. He let us do anything. You just had to stand on it. So if you did something and it ended up being a flop or it wasn't good, you had to stand on it. But if you did something and it was good, you got all the praise. And but it was Diddy like, was really involved with Revolt? Like, yes. Really? At the time he was. Mm. We had meetings where he was sitting at the head of the table. And I have, I have like, um, footage of it where he was just really there. Um, he wasn't always involved. Like, obviously, we had people that were in between. There's a lot of, you know, rap personalities that get involved with media companies. And then it really kind of, like, what do you think Nas is doing at Mass Appeal? I'm, right. I'm assuming not a lot. Right, right. And it was like, you know, there were certain times where he wasn't attached. But like when I was there, it would be like he would be at the office and they would let us know, like, Diddy's coming next week. Make sure you're dressed right. You can't drink like anything besides his water. It was only tequila, that, like his brand. We only could drink Ciroc like that. Because like to be fair to Diddy, like even if he does have this dark side to him or whatever, I mean, obviously there's something about him that has kept him successful as fuck in the music business for like 30 years now. And it's kind of silly to like erase his contribution and how incredible he apparently is as a businessman just because of what realistically at this time, it may be quite disturbing what has been alleged, but it's a handful of people making allegations. So exactly. let's watch how the cookie crumbles exactly. from here, you know? And I'm actually excited to be able to tell a positive part. I know y'all probably didn't want to hear the spicy, you know, stuff, but honestly, I could say he gave me an opportunity of a lifetime. It was a dream to work at Revolt TV. I'm not even kidding you. Like, just to even see the way that he put the whole thing together and for it to be this media hub mm. of like people that were creative and we got to make content and cover events. It was only, it was such a small team. It was probably like 20, 20. It was so small in the New York office yeah. and I ran their social media and I got to make, I got to do interviews. I got to write articles and I got to do anything. You just had to stand on it. So if it flopped, you, you were out of there. There's a lot of people that got fired. It was very cutthroat. Yeah. I learned, um, I learned perfection. I learned, 
I learned how to make use with nothing because we it wasn't glamorous. Like mm-hmm. we didn't get paid anything crazy. But if you were in it like an ambitious person, you made something out of nothing. And that was me. I came from Chicago on the north side. So I was ready. Like somebody that moved to sh- moved from Chicago in their Altima that drove <laughs> by themselves yeah. to get a job like that and to work for Diddy. I was like running out the park and. I got to do one of the biggest interviews that's on Revolt TV YouTube right now. It has like 4.5 million. And this was my childhood friend. This girl that I grew up with, she ended up catching um, HIV in Atlanta. She met this guy. She caught HIV in Atlanta. And he lied to her about a whole bunch of stuff. And she caught HIV. And then she found out that he was just like spreading it. He was a booty goon. He might have been. Mm. I think when when we look back on it, I think she kind of came to the realization that he might have been kind of like dibbling and dabbling in the booty i mean if you're in atlanta and you have aids it That's seems it like a pretty like. decent yeah, yeah. De- decent chance. well i learned that aids is the evolution it starts off as hiv then okay yeah so she's still in good health she's doing all right she's okay because okay. now i think that the medical yeah. you know like you're okay like you can live mm. i think that i think she might even be zero i have to do an update with her actually because it has 4.5 it became like a cult classic on the revolt tv YouTube channel. But that was just like my childhood friend and they authorized me to do that and funded me to do that and it became something big. So How'd I was your like, time of revolt come to an end? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm going to tell you a story off the camera because I feel like I signed NDAs. I can't tell that story, but... NDAs are very hard to enforce. Are they? And realistically, you probably don't have enough money that they're going to sue you and try to take whatever you have. <laughs> it would cost a lot more legal-wise for them to try to get whatever out of you. Really? Well, I'm not going to push you too hard but yeah realistically yeah <laughs> um so there was two offices there was a new york office and it was an la office and i will say that it was very competitive like it was a constant competition between both of the offices yeah. like it would be like who's doing better who's doing you know what i mean so it came down to a money thing diddy was investing in a whole different show at the time and i don't know if you guys remember there was a show called state of the culture oh yeah okay, joe right. button thing i was almost on that show shut up yeah what was gonna be your role white guy that sat on the couch and got picked on by scotty beam realistically <laughs> this was before i knew who was gonna be on it or whatever i had some meetings with joe and i was just like i can't move to new york <laughs> wow yeah yeah i mean so they blew the budget like that show was huge like they spent so much money on that show yeah so that overproduced too well and it never got that big i won't say anything (laughs) but there was they were really trying to to rival everyday struggle yep Mm. and he and then would tell us that all the time like he started it at almost the exact time as everyday struggle too no well he what he did was he let academics take all the money that Everyday Struggle offered him, and he said, fuck it, I'm going to go over there with Diddy because Diddy offered him some money. So then he thought, all right, I'm going to just recreate Everyday Struggle with Revolt, and it just backfired. Mm. So then academics and Everyday Struggle fell off, and then... Everyday Struggle, or uh, State of the Culture, never really had like a good never host really dynamic. Had a, yeah. no, and there was no chemistry. And then what meanwhile, do you think it was? But then you compared that to the Joe Bunn podcast at the time. That was amazing chemistry and it's just two random fucking buddies of his where mm-hmm. i was like with state of the culture they like p- handpicked all these different people didn't really work big lights it's hard to really like i think it was production. way too overproduced hard and to engineer I think, that shit i just think the uh joe budden academics dynamic just made more sense because he's from the old school academics from the uh new school so it just kind of mesh well 
They had a lot of people who checked in. boxes, you know, like Remy Ma. Remy Ma and Joe Budden sounds school. like a good show, right? Mm -hmm. But then in reality, if nobody's really going crazy trying to put their takes together and everything, it's just, you know, it's hard to fake that. And that was back then. Nowadays, it's even harder to fake the chemistry and to get people to watch just a random group of people talking to each other. It's just tough. It's almost better to do an organic, like, not cheap, but like something super basic. Sometimes I think stuff that's too overproduced is not like doesn't work. Because if we go to TikTok and think about it, a mom in her kitchen ma making a video can get a million views and something that's super overproduced will not perform. Academics' opinions about the culture go more viral than anybody. And it's literally him in, in a fucking basement. room, oh, shitty ass <laughs> little camera. Yeah. It's like the worst quality shit. And then you can even hardly like, see him. and Joe <laughs> Budden's the other person who consistently goes viral for his opinions. And it's like, it's a nice apart, uh, nice space that they're in, but it's still a bunch of people sitting on a couch. Like, what fucking production do you really need? You exactly. Know? So I think sometimes less is more. Don't they say that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they definitely say that. <laughs> so you went from iHeartMedia to Revolt, and then you're still currently at Complex? I am. So, okay, let me... Um. So, yeah, their focus ended up really being on state of the culture. And like I said, there was two offices and then this big, huge show with a big, huge budget. And like we were always in competition with each other. So long story short, they ended up shutting the New York office down. So boom. Because of COVID or because of what? No, this was before COVID. Oh, okay. All right. It was just more of a, they just had more of their attention on the state of the culture show. Mm. And that was like a big production with celebrity budgets and payroll. It wasn't so, that shot in New York. So why shoot, why shut down the New York offices? It actually, I'm not sure if they shot. I think maybe it was shot in New York. Yeah, yeah but, for sure. I think that uh, just having a lot of people on payroll at the time probably wasn't conducive to having and then having all these big celebrities on this big show. And it's also like so this was a time in which Revolt <laughs> and Complex or whoever were, were experimenting with building out podcasts and paying a bunch of money to big name, uh, you know, performers to have on there and stuff. And realistically, I mean, everyday struggle wasn't profitable. There's absolutely no way state of the culture was profitable. It's like when you when the the holy grail is to make a show that gets like 300k on YouTube every week or whatever. I mean, that's that's it's gonna cost you a lot to like engineer that, and unless you get big advertisers, and a lot of hip hop content is not advertiser friendly. Right, and then they were airing the show on the TV station, mm. and you know, TV. Well, that's another uh, right. revenue stream. It might have made it more valuable to them. Yeah. Yeah. So. They ended up shutting down the New York office. So that's basically what happened. They shut down the New York office. They, you know, centralized everything to New York. And the people that were left producing the show were in a WeWorks. Mm. So it was pretty much like the end of the New York. And, and Diddy lived in L.A. So And you don't see Complex or Revolt trying to do that shit anymore so much, know, right? Like you said, I don't know if it's. It's hard to make it work. Yeah, I don't know if it's prop profitable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I ended up, uh, I worked there for two years. Yeah. So like I said, I learned excellence. Like I can't say anything bad about Diddy. It was the, I had the best time on my life. That was my dream job. I, I mean, like he gave us the opportunity to really create something and he never got in our way. He was just like, go ahead. But so what do you do at Complex now? So after they shut down the New York office. They got absorbed by BuzzFeed or <laughs> bought by BuzzFeed. <laughs> I moved over to Complex. So I started working at Complex. Um, right after I left Revolt TV. And like I said, I would have never had those opportunities if it wasn't for Diddy. So it's hard for me to see all of this stuff because obviously, you know, it's all in the media and stuff like that. But I'd be like, he gave me the opportunity. Yeah. African, chubby, Af dark-skinned African girl from the north side of Chicago. 
he gave me the opportunity to make something mm. bigger and I did that. And um yeah, so I moved over to, to Complex and I've been there for five years. It's gonna be five years in January. What's the state of complex? <sighs> See, and I can't really speak too much on that because I'm still there. Yeah. So I can't really speak too much. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble, so I won't get into it. But it doesn't, doesn't seem like things are uh, at the best stage that they've ever been in. But we're kind of seeing it. That's just a reality check for media, is that you can't just cut huge fucking checks to all these different people and put shows together and put it on YouTube and have it be a successful business model. Yeah, well, I you know, I, what I can say, I've, I've been there. It's, I've been there for five years. Um, I do the news. So, like, the social media, the news page, Complex News. Um, I'm like the complex news digital editor and it's been great. Like it's, it's been really cool to just learn from people that have these big shows like JLP with sneaker mm -hmm. shopping. And it's just cool to see all of that and to see like the possibilities of what it could be. So it's been really eye opening and great for me to just learn and, and work at a place like that. It's coming up on five years. Like I said, what's his name? Joe LaPuma. Yeah. So we were, we were just watching it with young boy and it's pretty funny cause it's like a 10 minute video. And in the very beginning of the video, young boy basically says like, you talking too much, like fully shuts him up. And then by the end of it, he's fucking with him. And he's like, you're the only person I ever let record, watch me record like this. It's fucking <laughs> kind of weird. Yeah. And he's like one of the hardest working people in the business. Really? Yeah. They so, got to be constantly moving around to get the content for uh, shows like that. Huh? Yes. That's one thing like Sean Evans told me. He's like, I'm, you know, the, the hot one. It, it's it, like for him. <laughs> it's not like me where I can interview a million different people in a week. It's like, no, they are off and hunting down the celebrities that they want. Cause they only really fuck with like huge stars. Yeah. They, I would definitely say it's been continuous steps up. Like yeah. watching them, they operate on a higher level, like big stars, big budgets, so it's been amazing to just work under that and to learn everything that's happening with that. But, you know, the state of media is interesting. Like, what do you think about everything in 2023 right now? It's the wild, wild west. <laughs> I know a lot of big YouTube channels have told me that this year has not really been that kind to them. Mm. Views might be down a little bit. There's just so much competition. Mm. We're, we're doing all right. But it's also like, in my mind, how will we be doing in two years? I don't know. It really could go either way. It feels like overall the the number of revenue streams and opportunities we have available are, are getting better, but then the audience is being splintered between a million different possible things. Like there's probably people who watched No Jumper a couple years ago that at some point started watching fucking Cameron and Mace talk about sports and they retired from watching No Jumper because they had something that was like more applicable to their personality, you know, because now you're like, if I was into sports, I would probably be like removing other podcasts from my weekly media diet to watch that shit because those are dudes that were gods to me when I was a kid, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know. This, this, it's a very interesting media landscape for sure. What did you think about our media list of the top media personalities in hip hop? The complex one? She helped do that. Oh. She got 19. I think I was like 18, maybe 16, something like that. I forget. I don't know. It was no, right. we, just, we just went over 19. it. Oh, okay. It was 19. Was it 19? Yeah. Okay. Dude, but Adam, you're very important. Like, in. Nobody you, wants to. I told her the that. list was capped, though. <laughs> well, you know, it's always drama. Yeah. Like, they, you know, they try to mix it up and make it drama, but. I will I say, like there were some people above me on that list that are. It is unthinkable <laughs> to suggest that they are more important than me. And there's also people who I saw below me. That to me, it's unthinkable that they 
would be below me. So I don't know. But I mean, hey, it's it's up to everybody. Everybody has a different vision of who's important. So I I, I didn't really comment too much on where I got. Placed. I don't think you said anything. I'm happy to be uh, in there at all. I guess. <laughs> you know, whatever. You're important, Adam. But I don't really focus on other people's opinions of me that much. I try to stay out of that whole game. How do you the, f- more, the more hyper-conscious you are of how people think of you, I, I don't think that's, I that's a good thing for do your you content. Do you read the comments? I read a lot of comments on our Do show. you? Yeah, I yeah. try not to. I feel like the comments will make you, f- like, maybe I shouldn't have wore that. My girl will be like, what are you laughing at? And I'll be in bed just reading the comments <laughs> on the, the new WAC 100 podcast, just sitting there <laughs> laughing my ass off, just remembering little things that I thought were funny on the podcast through other people laughing at them in the comments. So please, by all means, do that on here. Because <laughs> I, 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 I do read it a lot more than I probably should. <laughs> I try not to read the comments, just to try to stay inspired. Because they'll try to drag you. And yeah, I don't want to see that. It's gonna make me like overthink wearing ones, and they're like, "Why she got ones on?" Like just stupid yeah. stuff, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, so. especially as a woman, where they're gonna make a huge part of it your looks, or yeah. they're gonna like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that guys could do that gets treated as normal, and if a girl does it, then it's just like you're a piece of shit. And uh, yeah, just like how I interview. Every Joe rapper, and they say that I we messed around like as soon as the interview was done. Right. That, that's just like normal in the comments, like oh, I like the cash shit. Yeah, like, and then he speak, built. <laughs> but speaking of cash, you had like one of the last. <clears throat> uh, I think between you, Truth Teller, Truth Teller might have had the last one, but you and Adam too. Like actually, y'all were the last few people to interview all uh, FPG Cash. Mm-hmm. And in, in that idiot, in, in that interview, he did like some foreshadowing of like his death. Like he kind of like talked about it like how was that for you when you go back and listen to that one for me i think that was probably one of the hardest and it still is really hard like when i think about it and um it's just hard for me because i think uh they still haven't solved the case and they haven't given any public updates about anything and it's just like i still walk around chicago i still go to Jewel, I'm at Baba's again all the time, you know. <laughs> so it's like, I, I, people might know who I am, but I might not who, know who they are. And it's like, so I just really, I'm really careful about what I say about it until they finally solve the case. But do you feel like he was set up by a girl? And I haven't spoke on this, you know. I put out that interview a year ago, and then I just turned the computer off. I didn't want to see anything. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to build on it because it was just so heartbreaking to me. Like the way that that whole entire thing happened, it just broke my heart because I my love for Cash was so deep. Like I love Cash. And we built such a dope rapport. I, have you ever built a rapport with a rapper where you're just like, I actually, you know what? I like you. Mm. You can come back and we could keep talking. I feel like you and J-Man kind of like that. Fuck him. Really? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, for sure. Like there'll be times where you're like, oh, I thought I was just gonna be interviewing you, but it kind of feels like we're friends now. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should we should work on this. That's exactly what happened with me and Cash. Mm. So we just started being friends and we we started making a lot of content together. We did a lot of interviews and right before he died, so we actually did this really long podcast of like two hours where we were just in Chicago talking and laughing. We talked till the camera died. Like it was just amazing. And um, long story short, the camera guy ended up losing the footage. Mm, the worst thing ever. Listen, like, 
But long story short, the the good thing is we recorded the audio separate. Do you record your audio separate from your camera? I don't. Well, actually, yeah, yeah, we do. Oh, so that's why I yeah. got the video out with the audio because exactly. I heard that one too. Exactly. Right, that's why sure. we have the audio, but we don't have the video. The camera guy ended up, I guess, dropping his hard drive and the the he lost the whole interview. But we had the audio separate. I had the audio. So I'm like, ah. Oh. So I tell Cash, like, da, 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 da. he was like, is this the ops? I'm like, no, it's not. It's just a camera guy. He lost it. He was like, it's fine. He's like, I'm going to L.A. I'm shooting this video with Ruger. Come with me to L.A. Let's do some more content. I'm like, cool. Let's do a day in the life. So we and him were planning all this content that we're going to do. And um, so I went to L.A. And this dude just signed a deal. We're going to talk about that because he came here. And I want to get your opinion on that. But um, he just signed a deal. He picked me up from LAX in a baby blue McLaren. And he was just whipping it, just driving crazy. And um, we ended up filming like a day in the life. And we went and he shot a music video. He did a song with Ruger. Like we did this whole long day and we shot everything. And then at night we did this interview. And it was like a really creepy kind of interview on the back end but during the day it was amazing it was the best day like i i've never had that much fun with an artist that i can even think of he treated me so well he was such a gentleman like cash was the most nicest funny amazing person ever mm. and <clears throat> we did this really long interview 16 was there billy was there all these people were there yeah. and we ended up talking about death like just we and i don't know how we just end up talking about death and he's just like no one's ever going to kill me. Like, I'm not, like, never going to get caught up like that. And I don't want to die because it's going to really hurt you and all the people that are close to me. And he just goes into this long thing about death. And we're just talking about it. And then, like, boom. It was cool. After that, we cool. We go get tacos. Everything is fine. And then we air the interview. Um, And this was maybe, when I put the interview out, maybe it was, like, three days before he got killed. So, mm. We were in L.A. We did all that content. He shot the interview. I mean, he shot the video at Ruger. Everything's cool. I like how you say Ruger with a hard R. <laughs> I know. It sounds so proper. <laughs> Ruger. Ruger. <laughs> it sounds so proper with it, right? Yeah. Um. So we did all of that, and then we ended up parting ways. And mind you, the whole time that we were in L.A., Rapalot was with us. Yeah. I never met these guys before, and I still haven't seen them to this day. It was just some guys from Rapalot that were just with us. I don't know. Um, and it, you kind of can see in the interview they're in the background and a lot of people in the comments are like who are these people in the background it's just some people for Rapala mm. um, so he ends up going to Texas with the Rapala people and I go back to New York and we're still talking because we're creating content we're, we're planning out how we're going to roll all this stuff out and blah 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 and then mind you me and Cash were like this like for some reason, like I said, you just ended up building certain relationships with certain artists and you guys just become really close friends. We would be sending memes to each other all day, just laughing about stuff. Cash was so funny. Did you interview him several times? Like, was just it his once. Oh, once? Mm. I felt like that, that was like... No. How did you take him? How was his personality to you? I mean, I thought it was dope. It was super funny. Definitely had a lot of star power. I didn't yeah. really even get to, like, have a real long-term relationship with him because I was like... DMing with him for a month or two, and then he got killed. And or and then I interviewed him, and then he got killed like very soon after. So mm -hmm. I didn't get to know him that well, but yeah, he was dope. He was amazing, and he was so funny, and he was always trying to like make you laugh. So, um, so he left. He went to Texas, and I went back to New York, and then we're just creating content. Mm -hmm. And something was happening to where he had to come back to Chicago, and I won't speak on that. 
because I don't know if any of that is public, but whatever. Um, so he came back to Chicago, and I was still talking. We were still talking. And that night that he got killed, he called me, and I was sleeping. So it's like, you know, you see a call, but you're, like, tired in your sleep. Mm. <clears throat> And I was like, okay, I'm going to call him later. We used to call each other like 5 o'clock in the morning. We would talk all day like... And you're telling me you weren't romantic. Yeah, you were just best friends. We were just really cool. This is starting to sound like young love. (laughs) (laughs) No, me, we were really cool. Like, I love Cash. It's just, it's hard to explain. He was the type of person that looked out for you. So Mm. it was like, he looked out for me so much. When we, as soon as we met, and I haven't, I didn't even know him for that long. But it was kind of those things where you meet somebody and y'all just become like this, like mm-hmm. quick. And he just looked out for me so much. He introduced me to so many people. I that's how, He introduced me to 16. Like, I didn't know any of these people before. He introduced me to Van Lathan. I didn't know any of these people. He just was like, as soon as we became connected, he was like, you're young Oprah. I'm going to do this. And he, and he was just like. I did think at a certain moment, damn, you do kind of look like a young Oprah. <laughs> just with a bigger ass though I, uh, mean, I haven't seen you standing up okay but, yeah. should I stand up no 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 <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna put you in a different box if you stand up let me up not on the pod, actually yeah. cut that out no take okay. that down no I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> okay I got like 10 minutes before okay. I gotta go to the next interview what mm-hmm. uh, what else do we really need to cover what's the All good right, clickbait so what I do wanna uh, ask you before we get up out of here I'm chewing uh, do you think his do you think his case is gonna be solved cash yeah, cash. We haven't like, heard anything, right? No. I think that um I think it will be. I think that a lot of times when it's really quiet, I think that they're working on it and um I really hope so because I just I just really want I feel like after we finish up with the FBG duck trial can we all just, as reporters, jump on what happened to Cash? Shout out to Trap Lord Ross. I think he said something about that. Oh, he's working on it? I, I think he might have said he's going to do a video on it. But mm. I just want all of us to try to figure out what happened because that is just one of the eeriest cases to me. And he kind of had all the information about what happened to him, and he left it with a journalist. And it was like, yeah. what would you do if your friend kind of told you what happened? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, how would you approach that? So, And here's one more I got for you, too. So today, before we did the interview, because mm-hmm. I know you and King Yella had y'all beef in the past. <laughs> where oh, really? The, the, all right, so King Yella went on record, and I forgot what exactly what you guys were beefing over, but he got a little disrespectful. Like, I think he called you a black bitch, right? He did, yeah. yeah. Because we were talking about death, and mm-hmm. then he ended up dying. So... King Ella was on Say Cheese and he was like Cash ended up dying. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we ended up talking about death in his last interview. So um King Ella was like, Why were you talking about death? I never talk about death. Whenever you talk about death, you know, it brings the Grim Reaper type thing. So he was like, and then uh I think Sean said something and then he was just like, you know, the black bitch. I guess he didn't know my name. Mm. I mean, he knew everybody. Yeah. But I guess he just called me that and uh I was grieving and I'm sad and then so people keep sending me the link. I'm like, so I ended up saying something on my IG stories like, damn, King Yellow, like I was always supporting you. Like, why would you? And then he hit me up like, you know, my bad. I wasn't really trying to. That's just how I talk. And I'm like, it's cool. But if, you know, it was public, let's do a public 
apology. apology. And then and then we hopped on a live together and we had a nice conversation and we squashed it. Mm-hmm. So shout out to King Yellow. I don't have nothing against him. So did you see what went public with him today where the paperwork of him allegedly snitching on 600 Breezy, Snapdog, and Lil Dirk calling them GDs and BDs to the Las Vegas police? Yeah, but I feel like, I don't know if that's really... I feel like that's public knowledge. So I don't think that, like, I don't think we can classify King Yellow as a snitch. Like, I don't think, I don't think none, I don't look at him any different. I was thinking that when I was watching 109 Jake's video is that all the stuff that he's saying about all these game members and stuff is stuff that I, I could kind of imagine myself saying that to a cop and not thinking it was that big a deal. Yeah. The thing is, is that King Yellow is supposed to be a gang member. And if you're a gang member, you're supposed to like really not be trying to talk to the cops. My thing about King Yellow, and I, I bet King Yellow don't even know who Lush is, but it kind of reminds me of Lush, where it's like he's just always talking. So when the cops pick him up, he just keeps talking. He's that's why he's making all these YouTube videos. Yeah. He's just a talker. He could talk all fucking day. That's why he's good at what he does. But at a certain point, it's like you're talking for no reason. Like you, you don't need to be blabbering when you're getting in the situation with the cops. You know, it wasn't yeah. that serious. You didn't have any kind of like. It's not like he was telling them shit so that he could get off on something. He was just talking. Yeah, he told them basic shit that everyone in the world right. was like. Right. Yeah. I didn't think Breezy is a BD. We know that. Yeah. All set. Might be a GD. We know that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was that serious either. Right. I don't think it was anything. But the black and white. You know how they nowadays. But you don't want 1090 Jake to be mad at you because what he did in that video is he highlights the snitching shit, but then he also puts together a bunch of other shit and is kind of like, oh, here's an overall package of why you shouldn't fuck with King Yellow, which 1090 Jake, to be fair, he got some ether in him. Like, he, he will he will take your ass down if he feels like it. He, that was a pretty lethal video. Are you going to have King Yellow up here explain? I would love to. He just told me that he can't uh, leave Vegas, and I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it to Vegas in, like, the next week or so, although it would be kind of cool to that jump out there and exclusive. do it. But he already probably got a bunch of thirsty people trying to get interviews all in. All little blogs, the micro blogs. You know Cam Capone's all over it. <laughs> Shout, Shout out to out Cam. Boy Cam. I, yeah. fuck, I love Cam. Cam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but this was dope, though, for sure. We gotta, yeah. No, like definitely. I feel like when the verdict happens, bring me back and let's break it down so I can really tell you how I really. But feel. so you're you're happy. You're doing more business, corporate, behind the scenes stuff uh, with Complex and whatever. And then you're also pretty hyped to be doing your own independent content. Does that seem like a pretty good mix for you at this time? You're able to do the corporate shit as well as do your own thing independent on YouTube? A hundred percent. I think a lot of times I'm, I'm like sad because I feel like I can't put as much time into doing content because you know it's a full-time job cutting these clips. You have employees, da da da. Mm. So it's like I'll be like sometimes going back and forth between oh man I'm working for the man and then at the same time I have my little baby here and I, if I put more time in my baby I would like so I'll be going back and forth on that but I would never abandon this lane and I love it and I want to continue to put out content Going to court next week. Um, I have a new streaming show that I'm going to be dropping. So I'm going to be live streaming every week. So shout out. Stay tuned to that. Um, But yeah, I'm just going to keep building on it. And when the verdict drops, I want to come back and let's talk about it. Because I'm going to be going to court next week. And I'm just going to be there making sure that I get everybody the right information. For sure. Let's do it. And shout out my boy Tay Savage because he the one who got us in tune. Shout out to Tay Savage. Okay, so let me... All the girls love Tay Savage. I love Tay. They all think he's he's so gentle and nice, you know? Because he's bringing another aspect to the game. It's no blackballing. Like, he had the ability to to do what he wanted to do when he came out. 
And he didn't do that. He embraced everybody. He's pushing peace. Like, I mean, of course, you can't ask anybody to be perfect. Yeah. You can't. He's ask a savage. <laughs> they don't call him Tay Savage for nothing. He's, He's a savage motherfucker. He's the most respectable, lovable, like, nice human being ever. Very and it nice might just guy. be because I'm a female and I'm. Mm. You know, yeah, sometimes you might have to deal with that bias. The, like Maybe. It's a, even me, they're going to be like, oh, Adam was flirting with her. No, I'm just they're nicer. They're going to say that. You're nicer <laughs> to a nice young lady than you are to the average Joe off the street. I yeah. think that's fair, right? Yes. And Tay Savage is just bringing a whole new era in. And I love Tay. He's actually very, very professional and inspiring. And he's pushing peace mm. with Jay Main. Shout out to Jay Main, too. He's hardest working. You ain't hear uh, you ain't hear Tay Savage uh, this record. But that's what I'm saying. You can't expect him to be perfect. Not quite perfect. <laughs> it's a yin and a yang. Like everybody got their ends to him, but it's, he's not all evil. If you woke up one morning and you only had two cereals to choose from, and you could either have a bowl of Whoops or a bowl of Durkios, what would you that's chow hard. down on? That's a hard question. I can't mix them both no. with some oat milk. No, these mm -hmm. these two cereals don't mix. Damn. Gosh. Most? I don't know. That's a hard question. Yeah. I do like I do like Durkios. They they definitely hold the milk. Mm. They don't get too soggy. Right. But whoops are kind of hot right now. Realistically, Lil Durk, rich as fuck, huge name in the music game. Jay Main was sleeping in a Staples parking lot a year ago. So maybe in terms of quality control, you might want to trust Lil Durk. Mm. But but it's also fun to root for the for the underdog. Yeah, and the whoops. Let's is start there. Pushing peace. <laughs> Let's start there. And the whoops is the whoops peace. represent peace, whereas little Dirk cereal realistically represents a whole lot of other stuff. Cereal <laughs> killing. But Jay May also used to represent those things quite a bit as well. So. No, King Von cereal was a different type of cereal. Different yeah. cereal. Yeah. That was a different. But kind nah, of this was dope. We need to we need to run it back for sure. I do like whoops. Um, <laughs> shout out. Jamie. Let's start that. Overwhooping. Do you overwhoop? Never. Never. I never overwhoop. You don't really seem like an overwhooper. Nah, no. I'm not an overwhooper. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> All right, Dre, oh, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Let's stay in touch. Remo, thanks for setting thank it up. Thank you, guys. Shout out my boy, Tay Savage. Let's go. Shout no jumper. Tay. Coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, Instagram. Like, comment, and subscribe. Nojumper.com if you want to support. Dre, oh, Dre, oh, Dre, oh, Dre, oh.